What is it that allows us to stifle or contain or withhold the gospel from people around us? What we're looking at today is, is kind of examining how the message of hope, once it takes hold in your life, it overflows your life and you can't help but get the word out. The passage we're looking at specifically today is in 1 Thessalonians. If you've got your Bible or your device and you want to look that up today, if you want to just open your handout, there's a white insert that includes the passage for today as we really unfold this together and talk about the message of hope, the message of God that is uh, for all of us uh, to encourage, to overflow into other people's lives. In fact, that's that's really the, the title. When hope fills a heart, you can't hold it back. Okay? Think about messages for a minute. So contrast these two for a moment. Have you ever been on an airplane getting ready to take off, taxiing out the runway, and the attendant stands up to give you this life-saving message? And she says, would everyone please take the card out of the seat in front of you, and you look through the plane, and not one person takes out the card. And the airline attendant uh, will go through a whole list, and everybody is doing something else. No one, at least in my experience, no one on the entire plane is listening to a word the attendant says. Now, maybe there'll be a 12-year-old or a young person going, what's she saying, Mommy? What's she saying? And especially when they say the mask will drop down, put yours on before you put your kids on, you know, they might perk up at that particular moment, but that's about it. Here is a life-saving message that practically is going ignored, maybe because it's familiar, maybe because the attendant is so bored, they do this every day, they're kind of droning on and on and on, maybe because we've just got other things on our mind. Now contrast that. What was it like uh, January 13th of this year? I believe it was. There was this missile deployment scare in Hawaii. And this false report came that there were missiles on their way to Hawaii. And, and did you catch for those 30, 40 minutes the fervor, <laughs> the attention people paid, the tweets, the, the, the panic in a way? Now, that was a life and death situation, much like the airline situation. Why the difference? You know, in fact, the delivery in that case was probably because it was someone hit a button by mistake, an attendant hit a button by mistake, you know, and yet everybody paid attention. Sometimes I wonder about our message. Sometimes I wonder about the message of hope that God's given to us. And sometimes I think we're on that droning on and on with a familiar message, whatever. And sometimes we're maybe uh, uh, failing to sense the urgency, the relevancy, and the drastic need that people have. When the hope fills your life, you're feeling the urgency to share it with others. And that's what we see in this baby church in Thessalonica, a, a, an area outside Macedonia in, in, the, uh, in the biblical days as the Apostle Paul had a chance 
going through the area. He spent three Sabbath days teaching and building what became a model church. And a model church for us today because of how when hope filled their heart, it overflowed to so many others. In fact, it took over as a resounding uh, echo through the entire region. So I've entitled this in our Finding Hope series, When Hope Fills a Heart. When hope fills a heart, it's impossible to contain it. Why don't we just read through the passage and then we'll dig in in a little bit more detail. We always thank God for you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God our Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel, this is where we're really focusing on verse 5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model of believers in Macedonia and Acadia. And your faith, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Acadia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his son from heaven, who raised, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pause for a minute and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage, this introduction to this book of Thessalonians. And Lord, we pray this morning you would prompt us that when our hearts are filled with your hope, that there is an impossible uh, blockage. There's impossible, uh, it's an impossibility for that word, that gospel, to be stopped. Lord, we're praying for encouragement today as we trust you to empower us to share you with others. In Jesus' name, amen. I read about a prisoner the other day that... Uh, was convicted of murder back in 1949. His name was John Courier. He was convicted of murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Over time, 20 years down the road, he was uh, released into a work release program on a farm. But in 1968, his sentence was terminated. His sentence was overturned and terminated. And a letter was sent that he never received. This letter that was sent and he never received was somehow lost somewhere. And so for 10 additional years, he worked on this farm from 1969, 68 to 1979. This man was a free man, but the message had never gotten through. I just thought about the irony 
the irony. How would you feel if the most important communication in your life had never gotten through and it sentenced you to an undeserved or unneeded an unnecessary slavery, bondage, imprisonment. So often the message that we've got of freedom for people in Christ doesn't get through. It doesn't connect, either because the message isn't sent properly or somehow gets uh, waylaid in the process. How are we doing, folks, at giving out the message. That's what this passage today is about. Getting the message of freedom. Getting the message of emancipation out. Getting what's far more important than John Courier's message out to people about the love of Jesus Christ, about their saving from their sins, about eternity. You notice in the beginning of this, this verse... Paul says, our gospel. Just camp on that for a moment. In fact, circle that on your, uh, on your scripture, on your page there. Just circle that word, our gospel. Because he says, our gospel came to you. I just love the fact that Paul is owning it, but he's giving it away. It's not a personal possession like my gospel, but it's our gospel. We have got, folks, the most important message anyone could ever share, anyone could ever hear in the entire universe. And yet so often, our lips are sealed. <laughs> our lips are closed. Fear and, and judgment and other things keep us from opening up that most important message and that it would be sent, that it would be delivered, that it would be passed on and received by those who need it. So what do you do and how do you get that uh, a message? What happens when hope feels, uh, fills your heart? God directed Paul to, to write this. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. Our gospel came to you not simply with words. Uh, underline that. Note to self, the gospel does come with words, okay? I had a two-hour discussion with someone this week about this very fact. He felt like words corrupted the gospel, and it's like, ask, this, ask yourself this question. How does one spirit, God, who's invisible, communicate his love and grace to us and our spirit? Think about that for a minute. He has chosen to reveal himself through history, through Jesus, but through words, through his word. His naked spirit enters in the concepts of his love into words that come to our language, and, and, and we understand his love through words. It says it didn't come simply with words, but it came certainly. Or we would say absolutely with words. It's impossible to communicate the love of Jesus Christ. It's impossible to uh, communicate the heart of God without using the words that he's given us to use. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting 
life. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but it does come with words. There's got to be more than words, but there can't be less than words. Are you following me? Words hold together, not the simple words, but the powerful, the powerful words. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, it's through the foolishness of preaching that men and women get saved. Now, that's not just someone standing on a platform preaching. This is anyone, anyone, in this case, not of the apostles, not the preachers, who share the message that's preached. The word there for preach is the word caruso, caruso, and it means herald. It means to to shout out, to trumpet out the message of the truth, to get the word of God out. That's what preaching is all about. They used to have a position of a herald in a town. Not the name, herald. (laughs) Don't confuse the name, a herald, with the position. And a herald would go, and their job was to speak with a clear voice and to communicate to the entire population truth. They were herald. That's the word that's used for you and I. We are called on to preach the gospel to every creature. Wow, that leaves no one out. It's that same passage that's parallel that says, make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? First, you've got to share the message. You've got to share the words. In uh, Romans, it says, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? Catch that? There's a connection between hearing and the word, right? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who share the what? Good news. That's it's another word for gospel. Our good news. Oh, if we believe that it's good news, wouldn't we be far more eager to share it and to let others get this hope. See, that's what it is. It's good news about the hope that God's given us, the hope that is everlasting life. Now, notice he says it's not simply with words, but there's power there. He says not simply with words, there's deep conviction is the word he uses. We're not just throwing out platitudes. We're not just throwing out empty words. (laughs) There's deep conviction and power, just like we sang about. We believe in God the Father. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in the Holy Spirit. That's that conviction that allows us then to open up your mouth, open up your heart through your mouth and let the words flow to others that will build hope in them. Now, you can't have lips alone. If you have lips alone, if all you do is say words and don't have a life behind it, what do we call that? Lip service? Hypocrisy? Yeah? Yeah? Notice what it says here. That it wasn't just simply with words, but with power and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. See, the life backed up the lips. (laughs) Here's how I put it. If you profess and use your lips and don't have a life to back it, that's hypocrisy. But if you have a life and no words, no lip, 
That's cruelty. That's cruelty. It'd be like someone who was cured of a disease and said, even though I know the cure, and I'm in a ward where everyone's got the same disease, and they could all be cured if I shared with them the answer to my disease, I'm just going to live a disease-free life around them and tease them. I mean, that's the cruelty that so often we are exhibiting when we don't use our lips, when we don't use our mouths. Well, I'm just going to be a good example. That's good. But you got to link, link, lips, and life. Get it? Link, lips, and life. <laughs> Say that with me. Link, lips, and life. One more time. Link, lips, and life. Neither one are, 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 are totally useful by themselves. Isolated. They're designed, and that's what it is here. You know how we lived among you. You know what we said, not simply words, but power and deep conviction. But you know we lived this out among you. There was consistency between the life and the message, between the life and the lips. And that goes a long way in propagating the gospel. When a penetrating life backs up the meaning of powerful lips, it is unstoppable. When a penetrating life backs up the lips, it's unstoppable. And God calls us to do just that. See, when hope fills your heart, the words come out. When hope fills your heart, <laughs> the life is lived. And that's an irresistible combination. People cannot resist that. You maybe have heard this little ditty before. You are writing the gospel a chapter each day by the things that you do and the words that you say. People hear what you say, say, people watch what you do. So, what is the gospel according to you? Yeah. God calls us to back up our words with our life. So, we're talking right now about how the message is sent, how the message is given, and then how it's received by people. Notice the second one. It not only fills your heart, second word there, it focuses your heart. See, it comes into your life, but it does a work in your life. It comes to you, and then it, you received, you're receiving it, and then it changes you. That's what Chuck was talking about last week, the transformation that happens inside a life. And that in itself gives hope. That's why Paul could write to these men and women who'd been drastically, radically changed in their lives. They'd been changed from those who worshiped idols and basically were hopeless. I mean, can you think about the futility of worshiping idols, bowing down to something made by, you know, made in creation and not even worshiping the creator? How hopeless. They heard about God. They heard about the love of Jesus Christ and they came to receive that message, and God used that message to radically change them so that their lives... Look at what it says. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Notice it's not imitators of us and the Lord. It's imitators of us and of the Lord. <laughs> There's two separate things. Can I just speak about this for a minute? 
You know, often we are afraid to let those around us look at us. Oh, don't, don't, don't look at me. Just look at Jesus because I'll fail you. I'm, I'm a human. Uh, don't look at me. Paul did not do that. Here's the, here's the genius that I want us to catch on to today. The Apostle Paul said, no, 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 no. Go ahead and follow me. Go ahead and follow me in as much as I follow after Christ. Now, two things happen when that happens. First of all, if you say, follow me, there's an instant accountability that we sometimes shy back from. No, 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 I want you to look at Jesus. Don't look at me so I can do my own life and my own thing. You see, you become accountable when you say, it's like the person who says, I don't want to put a Christian symbol on my car because then I'm going to have to drive well, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When you say, follow me in as much as I follow after Christ, you know people have got their eyes on you. And guess what happens to your life? You will radically change if you follow Paul's example here and say, become imitators of me in as much. Now, now understood in that is we are human and we do fail, but you're always pointing to Christ above and beyond you. So this focuses your heart, and it says here, imitators of us and the Lord, and you welcome the message in the midst of it. So focus on Jesus, but also focus on leaders. Who is it that you are following, and who is it that's following you? So let me just ask this question. Is there anybody today in your life that you would say Paul's words to, inasmuch as I follow after Christ, follow after me? The way we are as human beings, this ancient 2,000-year-old image of Jesus is good. It's fantastic. It's the best. But sometimes they say, you know, we need God with skin on. I need to see God operating in your life, and I want to see what it, what it looks like in 21st century. I want to see what it looks like today in our culture. You show me that, I, I focus on Jesus and that, and I have a great combination. My chances of actually living out the gospel are greatly increased if I have someone in my life as an imitator or a model. You know this word, you became imitators of us. It's the word mimic. We get the word mime from it. Not like just a a silly mime doing silly things, but uh, someone who is intentionally following step by step what someone else is doing, mimicking them. You know, I think about our great... uh, air bass guitarist on Sunday mornings, Dalton. You know, and I love it, especially when Steve or, or Chuck are playing guitar and he just looks over and he just, he just wants to do what they're doing in worship. Now that doesn't, I, I know, I mean, just praise God for the sensitivity of, of his heart, but he's just following along what's going to aid and assist the body and his spirit. And that's the word that's used here. They became imitators of us. You became mimics as you saw us loving Jesus and went, wow, I want to love Jesus like that. You can. Step into it. Follow in, in that vein. Focus on Jesus. Focus on leaders. Notice it, it, another aspect to it would be to focus on joy. I love this part of it. It says, 
For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. We're talking about celebration here, aren't we? Brian brought this up in his testimony on Easter morning. The, 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 the tribulation that leads to joy. You know? That's what he's saying. You were in the midst of severe tribulation, and yet the Holy Spirit gave you a joy that superseded that. This was not written to an American mindset, American audience, because we think all tribulation and suffering has to be removed for there to be joy. This is the exact opposite. It's in the midst, in the process of suffering, you found joy. I mean, we've got an apostle here who liked to write from prison joyful epistles like Philippians <laughs> that say, count it all joy, you know? Consider it all joy, my brothers. So here he is in, in, in telling them in the midst of this severe, you welcome the message. You know what this message meant to them? This message meant to them persecution. It meant to them leaving their families in many cases. Their families would abandon them if they didn't agree with them. And in some cases, it meant outright persecution and even death. Now, I don't wish for that, folks, but there's a deep level inside of me that wishes we had that kind of commitment. That when you make a commitment to Jesus, it's not, well, I'll accept him or receive him until things go bad, as long as things are going good. Here, this call is that they would have joy, celebration in the midst of the suffering. Let me mention one more, one more thing, and that's focusing on witness. Because he says, you became a model. You followed us, you imitated us. What we said, you said. You became a model to all other believers. Now, sometimes we get this concept that the preacher's supposed to preach and the body's supposed to listen. Okay? Turn that around. In this case, he says, we apostles didn't even have to say anything. We were not the ones preaching. You know who was preaching? You were preaching by your witness, by your example, by your lives. <laughs> we just stood around and said, yeah. You are so intense you are so righteous in your living out the love of Jesus. The hope is overflowing from you so radically that we didn't have to do anything. How different from our way of thinking, huh? Yeah. So God was content. Notice the word witness. I'm using that intentionally. We'll talk more about that. You know, what does a witness do in court? Testify. You give your story. You tell your side, your version, in this case, your version of what Jesus is up to in your life. Now, if you go to court, they're going to ask you to speak words, to get out of your mind, <laughs> you're always out of your mind, but to get words from your mind to the court, it takes the witness of words. To get your story out on the table for people to examine and to follow. It's going to take your words. Give that opportunity for people to, to hear that. Let me just mention, you know, there's a lot of ways you can influence the world. 
you know, you might be looking around going, man, there's so many needs in our world. I'm so discouraged. What do we do? You can go out and start a rally. You can start a riot. But what I'm encouraging you to do is aim at the heart. Let the heart things that God has done inside of you be something that you share with it. If you're aiming at people's hearts, it will change their lives, their families, and eventually society. The most radical and aggressive thing you can do is share the love of Jesus with someone. Why are we so passive when we've got the answer? We let the riots happen. We let the political statements happen, all this stuff. And yeah, maybe there's hope in that. No, there's no hope in that, folks. The only hope we've got is in the heart. The most radical thing you can do with your life to change the world is to share Jesus with those he's put around you. How are we doing at that? How are we doing at that? Is there more we can do to encourage one another and be proactive in changing the world? Well, hope focuses your heart. Once it comes inside of you, every aspect of your life begins to change. Look at this word, though. Hope flows from your heart. It's never designed that you would be the end. You are the, you're the conduit. You're the channel. You're the extension. He wants to come to you, in you, and then through you to flow out as well. So often we get this idea that, it's a, here's the word he uses, the Lord's message rang out, rang out from among you. The word here is uh, the same word we get the word echo from. <laughs> you know, echo, echo, echo. It's this idea of a trumpet being blown that just keeps going on. It's as if this pulse Boom! Happened in the city of Thessalonica, and the, the wet shock waves just kept going out. They kept echoing. He says, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not even need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave to us. They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Now, those are possible, um, there are possible heart responses to the gospel and to it. Let me mention a couple of these. Jot these down real quick. Sometimes when people have hope coming to them because of fear, because of misunderstanding, because of persecution, they will isolate. And they'll say, I, I, I've got to get away from the world. I'm going to go buy a cabin in the woods. I'm going to get my guns. I'm going to get off the grid. I'm going to become isolated. I don't want anyone else to harm me and my faith. Not a good option if you're overflowing with hope in your life. And Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creation, to all creation. Similar to that is insulate. And that's when you say, I'm going to get so involved in the Christian community that everybody I know shares my faith. Everybody I know shares my values. That way, I'm protected. I'm insulated. That's the church today in many cases. How many non-Christian friends do you have 
could you be like that boy in the, mo- in the first video? Just out on the playground, telling somebody. Tell a four-year-old telling a four-year-old about the love of Jesus. Get out. <laughs> Folks, get out on the playground. <laughs> Don't become insulated. That's not a good option. Sometimes people say, and they kind of go the other way. They kind of get so far ingrained into the world that they actually imitate the world and don't have the right balance. I struggle with that as a teenager, coming to Christ as a, in high school. Okay, I used to have these pot-smoking buddies. Do I, do, where do I go? How do I break from one and not isolate from them? Hey, bro, let's smoke a joint. I'll tell you about Jesus. It doesn't work so well, does it? That's one approach people take. This is the one that probably is the most damaging to the church today. (laughs) They vegetate. Well, I'm just going to let people go to hell. (laughs) I won't say it that way. I won't say, well, you can just go to hell. But by my actions, by my inactions, by my inactivity, by by my unwillingness to open my mouth, I will... And, and really the majority of American believers are kind of in this category. So, none of those are good options. The option that I'm encouraging you, and what the people in Thessalonica did, is they penetrated their society. To penetrate their society, their culture, because the Bible calls us salt. What does salt do? Permeates. The Bible calls us light. Light dispels the darkness. Yes, what he, he says, you are the light of the world. He gives us that opportunity to penetrate. That's, the, that, that's what happens when your heart is full. I want you to pay attention to this uh, clip for a moment, and we'll kind of close and shift a little bit. But just asking you the question, how are you doing at sharing your faith? And are you fishing for men? Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage encouraging us about your great message. Lord, help us to be those who carry the freedom giving, the breaking of chains. Help us to be those who herald regularly the message of hope that's touched our lives. Lord, help us not to be the end of the gospel, but help us to be a channel through which the gospel flows to others. Help us to be like these first century believers who were so radically filled with your hope, so radically changed by your Holy Spirit that they could not help but say what you'd done in their lives. Help us to be that same way, radically touched and radically talking about you. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for bringing us together as we celebrate you and your touch of our lives as we celebrate the essence of the gospel in communion today. We pray that uh, it, would, it, would, it would change us even as we approach this process of sharing with others. Help this to be a time where we show forth your death until you come again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.